Welcome to episode 16 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is Steve Eckholm, and here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thanks, Taylor. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to our conversation with Steve in a little bit here. Uh, before we get to Steve, though, uh, Taylor, I want to just uh, kind of wing it here and talk a little bit about what uh, you're sensing, what I'm sensing with this trip that we have coming up. We've talked about it in one or two past episodes, but you and I are going to a sensitive country in Eurasia. We're leaving uh, what today would be a week from Monday. Um, they've got wow. some COVID lockdowns going on over there. And so we're keeping an eye on the news and the updates every day. Uh, we continually to get um, confirmed that, you know, things are going to be open enough up there. And it is a Muslim, uh, Muslim country. And so they're feeling like just in this month of Ramadan, there's no way they're going to totally shut everything down. Um, but anyway, yeah, so a uh, lot of exciting things planned for that trip, but mm-hmm. a lot of uh, unknowns as we go in. So yeah, just tell yeah, our listeners what you're thinking. That we're that close. I didn't realize until you said <laughs> a week from Monday that we were 10 days away. Um, it's exciting. It's something that I think, I, I don't know if I said this on a past episode, but just like different leadings and stirrings in my heart uh, of just, I mean, here's a here's a, a whole conversation we could have for a whole episode is just being a worship leader. You know, I'm traveling, leading worship at different churches every Sunday. I'm creating digital worship experiences, uh, doing all this different stuff. And it's so easy to get like apathetic, lazy, forget to plan, just do the music, not focus on the spiritual side of things. It's just easy. I think mm-hmm. the enemy likes... Um, when we get kind of lulled to sleep in that area, whatever that looks like, uh, it's a mystery, but I, I have just been thinking about a lot about the comfortable life I live in America and what it's like for people who don't have the kind of life I do and just asking the Lord for opportunity and to soften my heart and to give me a new mm-hmm. fresh perspective. And I'm just really looking forward to whatever God has for us. Um, and believing it's going to be an intense trip, yeah. um, and just asking everyone listening for um, their prayer and support. Right. Yeah, it is uh, going to be very fascinating. This is the first time that I will be traveling and ministering to a country like this, mm-hmm. uh, even though I've been doing this with this community of Christians there uh, via technology for over 10 months now. Wow. But being there in person um, and the different settings and the different potential and just um, the different vibe of of that nation. Um, Yeah, so we're really looking forward to it. And like you said before, we're really inviting our listeners to be interceding with us and over us uh, and trusting the Lord is going before us and coming behind us. And also specifically, if you could pray for everyone we'll come into contact with, we believe, um, you know, that just... Our presence there, meeting with people wherever we find ourselves, can have an impact because the Holy Spirit is present in us. Mm-hmm. Um, and really excited about, you know, even potentially the crusade and just a mass of yeah. people coming to Jesus for the first time. So, yeah, it's exciting. That's right. And actually, our current guest here just uh, received an offering for our trip just this last Sunday. So we're uh, so excited to have Pastor Steve Eckholm with us. And Steve, welcome to the Worship is Life podcast. 
Hey, thank you, uh, Todd and Taylor. It's a, it's an honor to be with you guys today and excited to see what the Lord's going to do. And it was an honor to take a, an offering and uh, we're still getting some totals on that. So try to get something, get a check out to you guys at the end of the week so that you have that. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're um, so welcome. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, um, let's just talk about a little bit about how you and I know each other, and then you and Taylor can talk about your guys' relationship. But um, so you pastor here in the in the Assemblies of God district of Minnesota, where I serve part time as the worship arts director, and so we've had uh, many uh, many crossing paths through our mutual connection to the AG. And um, you have graciously had me a couple times um, at your congregation ministering there. And you've been on my list uh, since the beginning of this podcast being dreamed about just because um, I, I know, you know, people think that, wow, every pastor should be living worship his life, but you really do. <laughs> you really do. Yeah. And you've been, well, you've been you. on my thank list you. and I'm so excited about this conversation. What's, uh, what's your recollection about our, our paths crossing and our interactions? Well, I remember, I think it was a sectional meeting. Uh, I think it was when you first started moving into the district, you were going around talking about worship is life. And I believe it was through, through a sectional gathering that mm-hmm. I heard, um, your vision and we made a connection. And then I really loved, uh, I just really loved how the Lord spoke to you through that. And I, yeah, you're right. I had you come to our church because I wanted, wanted our church to, you know, to hear and, and see about your ministry. But at the same time, just, I really loved um, your, your teaching on battle for worship. Just some of the, the revelation that the Lord spoke to you about mm. that was so powerful. Mm. And not only that, uh, Todd, you also were instrumental and at that time leading of discipling coming alongside of us when a couple of young worship leaders that are yep. now traveling literally yep. all over the country and world. Yep. And you came in and helped us with uh, a, a great outreach to our community with Dr. Dave Nichols as yep. well. Yep. You know, we had a, I mean, Dr. Dave still talks about that week and more of those mm. meetings where mm. God just came down and you also were um, the worship leader, but yet it was our worship team that you were mentoring in that process. Mm. So yeah. it was incredible. And uh, what God did and, how God has, uh, has used you and just, again, um, just a great friendship connection. And yep. and I really appreciate how the Lord is using you in this season as well. That's awesome. And uh, thanks for that, Steve. And Taylor, um, you've got a, a unique connection that's been developing over these last months with Pastor Steve. Yeah, I've got a, a couple of really good friends that grew up under your leadership uh, Steve, and so we've we've met through that, and then um, I've come and led worship at your congregation, your your church, a couple times now. Was just with you Easter Sunday, which was a blast, and uh, as well as um, been sending you some of the digital worship experiences that I record on a weekly basis um, to help churches that have a need, or uh, there's maybe not a worship leader that week, or they're in between. Um, you know, looking for a new position. And so it's been great doing this ministry together. Oh, it's been incredible, Taylor. And again, um, just, I'm just so blessed uh, by this connection, you know, not just with your father, but personally, and just getting to know you over these mm-hmm. months. And, you know, even through Abby and Ethan, and 
other, you know, connections that we also have together. And just, it's been amazing. And also too, I, like, like we talked about a while back that you truly are a trailblazer and cutting edge because, you know, I, like, you know, I passed through a rural congregation about an hour and a half north of the Twin Cities. So it's very hard um, to get quality worship. Um, and, and the blessing of COVID is, is that we're also reaching people online like right. never before. Right. And I, one of the things that I'm thinking about in this next season is God is using my bu- building to reach people outside, even though we got people coming back to the building. Right. So by your digital worship, we don't miss a beat, you know, because I'm realizing we're using the building to reach the world. So, you know, your your quality, you make it personal. It's a personal touch. You, you know, our church loves it. You know, we have an online church and that digital worship just doves right in with our online presentation. Cool. So it's seamless. And we have a very quality live stream going out from our building to touch the world. And you know what, people... You know, don't, I mean, we prefer live worship in the building, but you know what? It doesn't, we don't miss a beat with it because I think you make the personal connection, the personal touch. And I like to have you come live when you're available. So we like to get those bookings so that there's that personal engagement. You know what? And what I love about you, Taylor, is that when you step in, you're not just a worship leader, you're connecting. You know, and I know you do that everywhere you go. You you have a heart for people. And and I just love that. That's why our church when you're not live, they embrace you on the digital mm-hmm. screen because you've been there a few times making those connections. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And I just love my heart's to mentor to pour out. And it's just been a blessing that God's put you in my life because I'm one, if anyone asks me questions, I'll, I'll give you my time and whatever you want to go, I'll impart anything, deposit anything and everything I have, because I know that's a, a piece that, you know, you're the next generation coming up and anytime I can impart whatever the Lord's put in me, I want to put it out in others. So I love this. It's just, and I learned a lot from you too. So that's it's cool, like, it, it's mutual, man. I, I watch you and learn from you as well as, Hopefully you get, you learn from me in the same way. Yeah, it's been great developing our friendship and uh, and mentorship too. Just learning a lot from you. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. And as I, you know, as I think about our tagline of relationship is the purpose of life, which is how God describes worship. And I listen to what we're all saying and all I hear over and over and over is relationship, you know, connection, relationship, yeah. connection. And so whether you're, um, wired to be a relationship person like my son is, or whether you're wired to be a task oriented person like I am, um, it, it all drills down to relationship. Um, That's and, right. and we're all on that journey of learning how to prioritize that and make that, uh, the number one thing. So Steve, uh, tell our listeners just a little bit more about yourself, your upbringing, your past your family? Well, yeah, I born and raised in Minnesota. Um, you know, I was born and raised in Bloomington. Um, did not ra- was not raised in a, you know, I was raised in a religious home, not a Christian home. And so I went through, raised Lutheran, uh, went through confirmation. That's, that's kind of my spiritual background. But, you know, um, I felt like the Lord has always been trying to get a hold of my life. You know, I remember, um, you know, after I graduated from high school, I joined the military and cause I just was looking for purpose and I had enough common sense not to waste my parents' hard earned money by trying to figure life out. I figured, you know, if I joined the military, they'll give me a paycheck 
they'll put money away for me for college and hey maybe i have an opportunity to see the world so that was kind of my game plan graduating high school but little did i know god had a different plan i remember when i got my um, orders to go to california on my first uh, duty on 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 uss gridley a, a naval uh, a naval um cruiser in san diego my life started bottom out you know even during high school i I had an addictive lifestyle. My father was an alcoholic. I kind of picked that that addiction up myself. Got addicted, um, and that, that addiction when I when you take that addiction and you move it to a, a major life change by joining the military, moving away from home to hmm. the West Coast, being all by myself. Hmm. That depression started to sink in to the point where I became suicidal. And wow. but praise be to God, January twenty eighth, nineteen ninety two. Um, the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that was the Holy Spirit then, but I, this prompting told me um, to go talk to a Navy chaplain who had enough boldness to tell me I needed Jesus. I gave my wow. life to Christ that day. Hmm. My life transformed. Um, within about a week, the, the suicide, the depression lifted. God replaced that with true joy and peace. Um, you know, a lot of other things started to dismantle off of my life. I became changed, transformed. And um, it was just like this backpack full of bricks I was dragging for 19 years of my life. Wow. God picked that off of me. And I, and when I got out of the service, um, nobody knew who I was. I mean, it was, I mean, my parents didn't know who I was. I, you know, they, you know, they knew the change was for the better, not for the worse. So even though it was hard for them, they still embraced it because they're like, well, how can we argue with someone who's gotten better? They just, it was hard for everybody to kind of understand what God did. And then in the course of that, um, you know, I met my first wife and we'll talk about that a little bit later. We were married 13 years. She suddenly passed away. My son was three when mom died. I have a son, Isaiah now who's 14. Isaiah is the man. Once, <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he's incredible. He loves the Lord. And I tell you what, um, he's my pride and joy. And, and Isaiah at 14, he is way more spiritually developed than I ever will be at that age. You know, he, <laughs> yeah. he's learned because we've made that a part, a priority in mm -hmm. our home. And, you know, after the death of my first wife, God blessed me with a beautiful wife, Ginger, woman of my dreams. Um, she's incredible. Um, and so we've been married now. Um, we see, we'll be, let's see, I'm trying to figure this out. Okay, we're going to be starting, <laughs> we're going to be celebrating our, our ninth anniversary this November because okay, cool. our, our, our church anniversary lead pastoring and our anniversary is a year off. So we're going into year nine Um I think we're, yeah, we're celebrating our ninth anniversary and our eighth anniversary being lead pastors at okay. Living Hope Church of Mora. So we'll be, yeah, we'll be starting our ninth, ninth year, hmm. yeah, at the church and going into our 10th year of marriage. So, wow. and yeah, we, we just love to have fun. We love life, family. We love to travel. You know, I, I love coffee and working out at the gym are kind of my, my big things. And, uh, and again, with that, you know, our family's been pastoring a rural church, a town of 3,000 in northern Minnesota, kind of east-central Minnesota. Um, we've been there um, these eight years, and we're seeing God, you know, we're pastoring not a church but a city. We're seeing miracles every week, mm. healings constantly. Um, you know, we're building favor and relationship in this community that we love. And even during COVID, the Lord has opened up so many doors for us to be a blessing within our city. We're kind of this little, I could say we're an unknown. We're kind of an unknown gem outside of the cities, you know, and I kind of like it like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we share testimonies. We, you know, we see more than 90, uh, I would say about 90 people healed of cancer over the last eight years. And we still mm. get calls 
from hospitals across Minnesota asking us to pray for people, pray for the sick. And uh, we see people regularly healed in our ministry. And we're just thanking the Lord for everything. We just love people, love the city. We want to see God move. You know, um, you know, our church is living hope and our taglines where hope comes alive. And that's our mm. dream. You know, we we're in a poor, one of the poorest counties in the state of Minnesota mm. and hope is coming alive. People are being set free. People are coming to know Christ. People, I'm amazed that in my eight years, how many people have been called out of our church, raised up out of our church, doing ministry at other places right. across the state yeah. and across the country. You know, we're a hospital for the sick and the broken. Um, and we just love how the Lord is using us and in our context. So, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about the story of your first wife and what happened with Melanie and how, um, how God helped you through that and how others helped you through that. Yeah, and just trying to stay in the context of worship is life and, you know, revelation and response. Let me tell you what, you know, um, I love that because worship is life. It's more than a Sunday morning. It's more than a worship service. I mean, worship is who we are and what mm -hmm, we do. Mm -hmm. it's, it's everything. And I tell you what, even in trials, even in suffering, even in grief requires revelation Hmm. And it requires a response from us. Yeah. Now that's that's uh, that's a part of life none of us want to encounter. Yeah. But it is a reality, and and it's even in scripture we see story after story. And part of my story is yeah, I was married to my first wife Melanie for 13 years. Um, we had a beautiful life. You know, her father um, is a great mentor of mine, and and guess what? We're still family. They're my I still call them my in-laws. They've still have embraced me as their son-in-law. And, um, you know, it's just a, God has really graced that. And my father-in-law was a pastor in the cities and, you know, my wife struggled with, uh, with epilepsy, a seizure disorder. She tried mm. everything, you know, mm. we tried everything on the physical side of healing and we believed everything on the spiritual side. I believe yeah. that. That's why, you know, I, I, I understand both sides of the healing equation. I know why God heals and I know why he doesn't. And mm. I, cause I live both sides of that. Mm. And, and Melanie was just, she brought great, um, she was always a fighter. She was always a woman of faith. Um, she always had this beautiful smile that radiated. And you know what, you, you would look at my wife, Melanie, and say, man, she never, she, you would say she doesn't suffer because she, she didn't carry herself like someone who suffered. She, hmm. she never took on that victim mentality. But you know what, she suffered. Um, she would have epileptic seizures anytime, anywhere, any place without wow. warning. Wow. And, um, and, and at times very vulnerable and complicated situations where, you know, I, you know, you have to deal with it, you know, malls and church services, mm. um, parking lots. I mean, you name it. And, you know, I think too, the fall put just as much damage on the body as the seizure did. And I think over time, just the falls, you know, the mm. hits to the head. And, mm. you know, I think, wow. you know, at that time we are, we were in Oregon when Isaiah was conceived. So, you know, at that time, God was moving us out of Oregon and, and into uh, Maple Grove. We were children's pastors for a long time before taking before I took a lead pastor position. So um, we got called back to Maple Grove as it was born. And then her seizures um, got ex we, for a period of the pregnancy. She was not, you know, we thought maybe God healed her because mm. she had no signs of epilepsy. Oh, wow. But after 
the day after Isaiah was born, she, her seizures came back in, 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 in more aggressive fashion. Mm. And none of us knew it as the family, but, you know, you know, God suddenly, you know, I mean, it was like God was preparing us. We didn't know he was preparing us, but he was preparing us for the inevitable when Melanie, you know, passed away in the fall of, of September 17th, uh, 2010. And, hmm. you know, um, she passed away suddenly. She passed away alone in the house. She she was cleaning the bathtub and drowned and through a seizure. And oh, my goodness. I didn't know. I, I did not know that. Well, when I walked into the house, this is how the Lord prepared us. You know, he prepared us. He prepared me. Role reversals before she passed away. Things God was his hand was on all of this, but I I walked into the house and uh, I shared this even on Easter. You know, I walked into the house and God spoke to me. He said, "Laundry's done, cookies are made, and and the house is clean." And Melanie went on a vacation that you can't go on, and I knew wow. right then and there she passed away. Why? Because Melanie's mom taught her daughters to clean the house before you go on vacation. Hmm. God used something familiar, revelation. Hmm. He used something familiar to get me to get to the right response. Hmm. Okay. So God showed me laundry's done. She hadn't been able to do laundry in months. Cookies are baked. She hadn't been able to cook in months. This is why this is all miracle. Hmm. Laundry done, house clean, cookies made. And he says, the laundry is done because, you know, you're not going to have time to do this because you have to prepare for this. The cookies are done because you need comfort during this time. And the house is clean because, again, as a sign of her love for you because mm. she's not here. Mm. And then when I walked up and I found her and, and mm. I had to call 911. And then and the other other revelation response in that moment was that really shocked me under the path of healing was my the pastor that replaced my father-in-law became a mentor because he lost a wife in ministry too. Wow. So God already had it set up for me that I was going to get mentorship through this pain. And my pastor, after I called 911 and I called the family about it, my pastor was the third one, and he was there before everybody showed up because our church wasn't that far away. Hmm. He grabbed me, you know, as as the EMTs were coming, as the coroners were coming, the cops were coming, as every as all this chaos was happening at my home. My pastor grabbed me by the shoulders and said, "Steve, you need to embrace this. Hmm. If you choose to embrace this, this will bring about the greatest." Um, transformation of your spiritual life. Hmm. But today, if you choose to reject this, this will bring about your greatest fall. Hmm. And at that point, he spoke such truth that like, it was like the shock things came to me, like EMTs use, they'll try to shock you back to life. Well, my pastor grabbing me that way, speaking those words, shocked me onto the trajectory of healing right Hmm. away. Hmm. And I chose to embrace it. I embraced the pain, the suffering. But going back to Revelation response, you know, there's a lot of details I could go, but the main one that kind of fits in context with, with what this show's about is that in that moment of loss and pain, my rev- the revelation that I had from previous encounters with Jesus brought me to the response of saying, yes, Lord, I embrace this suffering, mm. Okay. And what brought me to healing and what brought me to restoration was worship in my time of loss. You know, I couldn't read scripture. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do a whole lot because of the pain and the grief and the sorrow. But my but worship and through journaling, see again, 
my time in God's presence, listening to worship music, mm-hmm. what brought me to journaling was my response. And mm-hmm. God, God, see, I wasn't reading the Bible in the first six months, but I was worshiping. I was receiving from the Lord. Mm. And I wrote it out in a journal, and I found that God truly was speaking to me in that time. That brought me to a deeper level of healing, you know. And, and again, I understood what grace was and the whole, the comfort of the Holy Spirit was. Hmm. But every night, at night, every night when I put my son to bed, you know, at that time I put him to bed around seven to eight o'clock. That time was my time to be at the Lord, hmm. and I would turn on worship music, and I couldn't sing, but I could listen to it. But it was in the place of being in that worship, and my response was my journaling. So mm. revelation and response, you know, yeah. that's what brought me to to healing fast. It's what brought me to a place of transformation, and it also prepared me for the next season of my life. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That uh, is amazing. And I just want to... I mean, you've made it so clear, but just want to encourage our listeners who uh, maybe are going through just tragic circumstances right now, um, or maybe, God forbid, there's tragic circumstances around the corner. I mean, all of us eventually end up dealing with death. We just buried Taylor's grandmother just mm-hmm. a few days ago, um, and just hearing you talk about, you know, the relational dynamics uh, with God and your part, your part in that relationship. There's no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're walking through, whether it's mountaintop or valley, there's our part of the relationship. There's our response in that. And then the beauty of it is when we respond favorably, then, then God responds favorably. Um, and, uh, and then just what you mingled in there just with the other relational connections, um, in just, and I'm, I know there's way, way more to the story, but that's so, that's so beautiful. Thank you for, thank you for hey, sharing that with our, our listeners. Yeah. And, um, so, so in that, so a couple things, you know, you saying, I know why God heals. I know why he doesn't, cause I've experienced both. And then just, you're alluding or you're referencing earlier about just the miracles that have taken place through the the ministry of Living Hope up there in Mora. Um, why don't you share with our listeners just a, a story or two or three, and then again, just that same relational pattern that that you see flowing um, in, in in stories of miracles. Well, yeah, and I'll just, I'll answer the first question first about the two sides of healing because that flows right into the grace because I found out that after, you know, I've always seen the Lord heal and do miracles, but that that part of my life did not increase personally or even in ministry until after I went through the loss of my wife. Wow. And um, so when I, I was journaling, and again, part of my, you know, revelation and response the Lord spoke to my heart, prompted me in my heart and said, Steve, do you know why I heal? And do you know why I don't? And I said, yeah, I would like to know. And the Lord said, the answer, <laughs> the answer is for, it's both why I heal and why I don't. And mm. then he gave me a couple passages of scripture, you know, for, for why he heals. Um, you go to John, you go to John chapter 11 and the healing of Lazarus. 
Jesus said, you know, let me just, Jesus said, if you believe, wouldn't you see the glory of God? And, um, and that's like, that's why God heals, you know, and, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing that, you know, scripture, but you can go to, you know, John 11, it says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. The Lord says, I heal. So I get glory. You know, when I release a healing, a sign, a wonder, a miracle, it's, it's for my glory. It's for my kingdom. So I heal and I do miracles for the sake of my glory. I, I want everyone in the world. I love Psalm 77, 14. I am the God who performs miracles and I display my power among the people. The reason why God does miracles is to put his glory on display, especially to a world that does not know God or feels like mm-hmm. they don't have a need or some miracles. I have found this in my journey of, you know, we believe in miracles because miracle, when, when, when people get a miracle, whether it's, you know, again, a physical healing, that always opens up a door for the gospel to be shared and proclaimed. Mm-hmm. I find it for me, it's easier to pray with someone. They encounter God, they get healed. It's a lot easier for me to lead them to Jesus then than it is for me to do apologetics mm-hmm. or try to explain them into heaven. My, my philosophy is, is that I pray for divine appointments and I try to respond. And we could get into that in a little bit about, you know, revelation response, but it's about divine appointments. I pray for them. I look for them when they happen. If I can get someone to pray with me, then I know it's game over because the minute I pray with somebody, I know they're going to come into an encounter with a God who loves them. And in that course, they may get a, a, a word of knowledge. I, I may get a prophetic encouragement for them, or I may ask them if they need healing. And then in the course of that, God touches them very deeply. Then, and I, lo- I just got this revelation teaching at a men's retreat. You know, why do we use the name of Jesus? Well, I think the reason why we need to, Jesus wants us to use his name, like in the name of Jesus, be healed, or in whatever we use the name, is because while we're praying for someone who doesn't know Jesus, while we're using that name, they're going to ask you the question, who is that guy? Who is that name? Who is Jesus? Mm. And then it gives an open invitation for me to share the simple gospel. And so the God heals because... Um, it's his glory, right? That's that's what he wants. He wants to reach a people that's fallen away from him. And, and I just find that miracles is a great way. But then, then why doesn't God heal? Because everyone wants to know that. You know, we all know we pray for people and not everybody gets healed. So I, I, I have all these testimonies, but I also have a lot of testimonies where people haven't been healed. And it's a paradox. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first step to understanding why God doesn't heal is that God's a mysterious God. Mm-hmm. And, and I, the longer I've served him, I, I, I realize there's just some things about him I'll never know or understand. Because God, like even through the loss of my wife, God is God. I am not. There's just some things about him I'll never understand until I get to heaven because I have a human mind that cannot reason like God. And I and I until we get our resurrected body, we're, there's just some things on earth we can never comprehend until we get to heaven. And I just I'm and, I, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I'm okay at the mystery yep. of God. That's good. You yep. know, and, and 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 so the reason why He doesn't heal, you just go to John chapter nine, and and you know the disciples saw a, a man blind, and, and their and parents. They said, neither, and they're saying, who has sinned here? Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But Jesus said, this happened 
so that the work of God might be displayed in him. Why does God heal? He gets the glory. Why doesn't he heal? His glory is working in a situation, and mm-hmm. he's going to put his glory on display through the suffering and the sickness of our lives. Mm-hmm. So why does he heal? He gets the glory. Why doesn't he heal? Because He's doing a mysterious thing in the life of this person, and his glory is going to be displayed through human suffering. Yeah, and God just, gave me that while I was in my loss, because I've lived both sides of that, and so I can understand that. And because of that, I think the Lord there's a grace on our life, ministry, and church for healing and miracles. And I think because I've walked through the painful side of that. I am now experiencing the other side where we're seeing people healed weekly, and whether it's through services, through divine appointment, or through connections. Yeah, I, I just want to emphasize, Steve, what, what you're saying about God's glory, um, because it's so easy for us to think— because when we think of glory, we think of like it's all for us, right? The glory's That's for right. us. That's right. That's right. But 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 when but when you're talking and you're saying this, but I want to emphasize it. When you're talking about God getting glory when He does heal, or glory because He's working in a situation, His His glory is not for His own puffing up, His own self. His glory is so that he is revealed to people so that he can have restored relationship with them, which translates into relationship with others. So I want people to hear that because the way our word conditioned to think, it's so easy to hear that concept of God getting glory and thinking, well, he's just in it for himself. But no, his glory is there. So he's revealed so he can restore relationship with others, which, yeah, so that's so awesome. Yeah, and just to give you, you know, again, you know, a lot of us sit in church services, and I want to give you the most freshest testimony I can find, because you know what, I could pull them out of my hat from years ago, and those are great. We've seen, I mean, we've seen some incredible things, but just one that happened last week is I got a call. I got a call from somebody who, who's put me in connection with people before. This person I met from all says, hey, I got a, I got a family, and the wife's going through um, a cancer battle, um, breast cancer, and and so I, your name came to mind. Would you mind? Would you mind connecting? So I never met this family from mm. anything. I just told, you know, my, my I told this friend of mine. I said, hey, I go where I'm invited. You know, Jesus says and he sends them out two by two. You know, you know, if you have, he says, speak peace. If they receive it, you, you go in and release. And if they don't accept you, then leave. And so. I take that as hospitality that we got to be kind. You know, we never push, we never push ourselves on people, especially in relationships. We, we want to give people an invitation, but if we're not invited, we just, you know, we dust it off and realize God has an appointment somewhere else. So I, I got permission to connect with the family. We called, we prayed. Um, and, and within a day later, I got a, a call from her and her husband there down at Mayo. And um, we prayed for, again, they, they also got a, a surprise, not just breast cancer, but potentially colon cancer mm. and also cancer in the lymph nodes. Mm. So we prayed for all three of those. And we prayed. And then the next day, 
I get a call or a text saying, hey, we can't talk to you right now, but we have a miracle. God did a miracle for us last night. God did a miracle for us last night. And then I, I connected with them on Sunday and they said, well, the head doctor at Mayo. So this is awesome. You know, because I always pray, Lord, you know, I always pray for the doctors involved that they mm-hmm. would be, you know, shaken. And, and so I tell you what, when the head doctor at Mayo Clinic walks down with the report, that says something. Hmm. Well, the head doctor at Mayo came down and told told um, the family that look, um, you don't got colon cancer, so don't be scared of that. In, in fact, don't don't even be concerned about your colon altogether. So, <laughs> you know, and so God healed like literally, like they thought, you know, people were telling her that she had potential colon cancer. Some of her doctors said hmm. we need to get you to Mayo because we look like you have cancer there, and we need to get it checked out. So. You know, cancer always releases the spirit of fear and doubt mm-hmm. and death. So we broke that off of her and we prayed and, and then the doctor gave her the report. And then, you know, and then there's other things attached to that. So that's happened within a week ago. Wow. Just a phone call, praying with someone over the phone. And then they go down and they get a day later, they get the report of the Lord. And that's just incredible. You know, we're just rejoicing, God, in that. Mm-hmm. and. You know, we also had another person recently that was in Mayo Clinic for COVID. In fact, a friend of mine connected me to a family. They live in Cannon Falls. So this, again, why live stream is so important right now. This family has been, you know, the husband and the husband at Mayo, but the wife was watching our church services online. We, we connected, got to know them, prayed with her. She had MS. And just think about this. She has MS. Her husband's at Mayo COVID. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge says, no, before you pray for her husband to be healed of COVID, you need to pray for her to be healed of MS. And guess what? God healed her of MS because oh, wow. God needed God needed my friend healed of MS because she could not take care of her husband if she has MS. So God healed her of MS so that she could have the strength to walk alongside her husband, who also is also considered a medical miracle at Mayo because of how God healed him of crazy COVID. Mm. And, and so he's been interviewed by Mayo, but for the beginning, we walked along this family and now her husband is on a very strong trajectory to healing. He's now home now. He's now starting to function again. I mean, he got COVID really, really bad. In fact, doctors thought he was supposed to die. But yet through our connection um, with this family, and and again, I I share two examples. No, one person got instantly healed with the the colon thing. Well, this is another testimony that God heals through process. And so Mm. we've seen God heal instantly. But also, God, we see God healing through the just walking alongside people, not giving up on them, following up with them, praying with them through the process. And through the process, we also see the miracle, too. So it's incredible what the Lord's been doing through Living Hope Church and through a, a small church in a small town that, you know, we're just trying to make a difference, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so, and, and one one last uh, area, Steve. Um, I want to throw out a word that can make some people nervous once in a while, uh, and that's the word prophetic. Sometimes that word can be yeah. a little spooky for some. But but when I hear the word prophetic, I just think a, a, another dynamic in which God does revelation and response. He Absolutely. speaks and those who are listening uh, respond and then God responds. But I know you're really passionate about, um, about the realm of prophetic and even 
how that applies to corporate worship. So talk to our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, really the most simplest, um, you know, definition of the prophetic is without, you know, trying to make it too mystical. Because again, you know, the prophetic, it's one of the many spiritual gifts. And I think what we have to start doing in the church as pastors and leaders is to, is to demystify the gifts. The gifts are tools that the Holy Spirit gives to every believer as they determine. So all of us that are listening today, we all have access to all the spiritual gifts as the Holy Spirit leads us. And guess what? Prophecy. And Paul even says in Corinthians, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Come hmm. on, man. I mean, of all the gifts mentioned, Paul makes a big exclamation point in prophetic. And then he defines it very simply in 1 Corinthians 14.1. The pro- pro- prophecy is really encouragement. And guess what? What spiritual gift do we really need in the midst of COVID-19? Hmm. Everybody needs encouragement hmm. right now. Encouragement. What is encouragement? First Corinthians 14, 1 says to build up. People need to be built up. The, mm-hmm. pro- the prophetic should build somebody up. Also, prophetic is comfort. We need comfort right now. The pr- words of encouragement, words that build up, words that comfort. Also, um, exhortation, you know, words that, you know, build up, uh, words that draw people closer into relationship with Jesus. So if, if you're getting a prophetic word and it does that, you got a legitimate New Testament prophetic word. You know, and, and a lot of times people think the prophetic is about calling out dirt and people, calling out the sin. You know, that's an aspect of prophetic, and you see a lot of that in Old Testament. But also, prophetic is always a balance of God's love and God's justice. You know, yeah, that's yeah. The, you know, the prophetic is about calling people to repentance, calling people, giving people a second chance. And yes, if people refuse to repent and they refuse God's second chance, guess what? You're going to get the judgment of God. But by and large, re- proph- prophecy calls people to to a deeper commitment to Jesus, and God raises up the prophetic and for us to to draw people into that. So it's really prophetic is really hearing God's voice, you know, yep. and and the revelation, it, revelation yep. response. Yep. And so is. prophetic is really you know getting into a place where we hear God for ourselves first and respond to it. But when we step into the realm of the prophetic, we're actually beginning to hear God's voice for other people and encouraging other people to respond to God. That's why prophetic words are so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you know, even someone who doesn't know Jesus, you can give them a word of encouragement that causes, you know, revelation that we receive from the Lord for them can put people into a place where they can respond to the Lord. And, and most of the time they do. Yeah. And then so that's really what it is. And how do you apply that in worship? Well, that's one thing we try to do on, in our corporate gatherings. Again, prophetic, we try to demystify it. We don't want it to be, it's not kooky and weird. But really what it is, it's, it's hearing God and responding to God. And I've always tried to train worship leaders that come through our ministry mm-hmm. is to hear not just, not, I always say, don't go through a song set. You know, don't just play songs. You know, you have your songs, but what's God saying mm-hmm. and singing and speaking to you through the song set? And usually it's through, it's through the, um, it's through transitions that God brings the prophetic to a corporate worship. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to coach worship leaders. You know, what's God saying between the bridge and the chorus or the mm-hmm. chorus and the bridge? Yep. 
What's God speaking or saying between from one song to the next? I always say, don't start and stop. Flow with them. It's like a river. We're flowing. And, you know, and you're just, you know, like I always say this, the Selah in Psalms is a perfect example. You know, you see revelation and response as, as David is writing worship music in Psalms. And I love the Selah. It, 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 it's a pause. But I think it's deeper than just a pause. Mm-hmm. I really believe as I as I get into that moment, trying to picture myself as King David, King David played instruments. And I'm thinking the Selah is more than just him starting and stopping. I believe David is playing instrumentally. And what you get before and after the Selah is the revelation. Okay. David's getting revelation. He's responding in the Selah. He's prophetically playing because he doesn't know what God is saying next. Hmm. And then what he writes down next is what he's getting from his time of just being in God's presence. So that's just a different way of looking at the Selah. It's like, and I tell worship leaders, when we're in those moments of instrumentation, don't just rush through it. Mm -hmm. Could God be speaking something? And sometimes God could be speaking something to somebody in the room. Or it could be a fresh chorus. It could be a a new song that God talks about. And so it's all, it's just creating a a space, even in our music, for God to speak. And if you're a worship leader, are are you giving time for God to speak through you to the body? Or are you just okay, I got a 15-minute song mm-hmm. set, so we're just going to pump But are we? But I'm trying to encourage worship leaders that come through our ministry, whether they're with us for a season or even visiting, I, I always give way for the pathetic. And, and those that are, that are engaged in it love it because we want what is God saying in the moment, and we believe that the music is a setup for God to speak. You know, and, and if we look for it, He's going to speak. You know, it might be a phrase. It might be a chorus. It might be a word, you know, and, and, and we're looking for that in the worship. I'm as a pastor and looking for that in the, I call it a ministry moment in our worship. I, I'm trying to hear, okay, what is God saying to the church this morning? And before we go out of worship into the message, I'm always trying to give the Holy Spirit a moment and say, hey, what do you have to say right now? to the people. And it might be the, the corporate body, or it even might be one person that God brought that day. And if I'm taking the moment to hear him, you know, we've had people healed in worship, just worshiping people have been healed. We've, we've had yeah. some incredible encounters with the Lord, but it's by making a margin in our worship service yep. um, for the prophetic, for the giving the worship leader freedom. Um, and then partnering with the worship leader and, and trying to sense what is God saying today? You know, we have something that we've prepared. Yes, mm-hmm. we want to be prepared. But as we prepare, could it be that God has something else he wants to add to what we've prepared? Whether it's from the worship leader standpoint, the senior pastor, I believe there's a bridge that God wants to to, to, to kind of tie things together and and I think if we give way for that more in our services, yeah. we're going to see and encounter God more powerfully than just, okay, we have a one-hour service plan. Great, let's do that. But let's create a little margin in the transitional moments where we could say, Holy Spirit, 
Do you have anything you want to add? <laughs> yeah, that's great. The Spirit of God is in the preparation, and the Spirit of God is in the spontaneous. That's it. That's so good, man. Well, hey, Steve, we've loved having you here, but we've actually reached the point in our phone call where we bring on our honorary member. So, All right, Steve, you're on, on with Billy Bob McCall. All right, Billy Bob, bring him on, man. Pastor Steve, is that you? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh. Billy Bob, how you doing, man? Oh, Pastor Steve, I am well. It's just an honor for me to meet you. I mean, young Master Taylor's been telling me all about you lately, and I just said, I got to meet this guy. I got to. Hey, you know what? I mean, this guy sounds like a potential hero. I got to meet this guy. <laughs> well, Billy Bob, you'd fit well in rural Minnesota, baby. <laughs> well, I, 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 I kind of get that vibe. Yeah, I kind of get that vibe. Oh, man. Well, 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 Pastor C, let, let, me, let, let, me just, let me just say that I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Okay. And I've uh, I, I've been stalking you on the Facebook. Uh-oh. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. And I came across something that just caught my eye, uh and uh, I just got to bring it up, you know. Oh, no. I just, saw, I just saw this post about, I don't really understand how this works, but it's something about the way you draw the letter Y. It kind of uh -oh. like... It brings out, it kind of reveals, I guess, I guess, well, since we're talking about revelation, it reveals, it reveals your, your most negative dominant trait, I guess. And so here's, here's what I, here's what I'm seeing, Pastor Steve. You and I, you and I, we have a lot in common. Oh, we have really? a lot in common. Cause, cause the phrase here that kind of overall describes the whole thing I'm seeing here is, yep. is, uh, brutally blunt. That's it. Brutally blunt. And, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, does that sound like you? I know it sounds like me. Does that sound like you? Brutally blunt. It does. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Oh, man. Hey, hey. Now, the thing is with me, I don't know how it is with you, but I can get myself in kind of trouble being brutally blunt. You ever get yourself in trouble when you're brutally blunt? Oh yeah, I've gotten trouble with my wife. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I've got trouble even even with my son. Yeah, you know mm -hmm. being a pastor, I tell you what, every once in a while, I've gotten in trouble too. Oh man, oh man. Well, there's <laughs> a... had, put it this way: I've had to clean up some messes along the way. Oh. If you know what I mean. Yeah, we uh, make the messes and then we gotta clean them up. My get I that. Know, and it, it's so hard. <laughs> well, there's some there's some other good stuff in this, in this description here though that 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 I really feel like that you and I really have in common. Like one of the things it says here under, under this description is, uh, uh, is that you radiate charm wherever yes. you go. Oh, that's me that's to the right. T. Is that you? <laughs> no, it is. This That's my wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. My wife said, you're such a charmer. You're just such a charmer. Uh -huh. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. you, you do the brutally blunt thing, but then you come in the backside with a little charm. Oh, uh -huh. absolutely, uh -huh. Billy Bob. We have to. We, that's what balances out. Yeah. Oh, and I love this one. This is so me. He is incredibly intelligent, but he doesn't always show it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that good? I love that. I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah. It's kind of like you, you come across like you're a dumb guy. Even Billy Bob, even with your name, I'm sure some people think you're a dumb guy, but you're really not. Because I think Thank that's, you. Actually, Thank that's you. actually your, yeah, that's your camouflage, right? Thank you. you know, that's people, exactly people, right. You know, People think Billy Bob are like, yeah, what does this guy know? Just like people say, you're from Mora, Minnesota? Yeah, what does this guy know? <laughs> and I kind of, you know, I kind of like it when people underestimate me. You know, oh, I kind of no, like yeah. it. 
I do too. Uh-huh. Kind of, it's our secret weapon, sort of speak. Man, we're like kindred spirits, you and me. We're like kindred spirits. <laughs> oh, and I love this. I love this, especially it goes along with this podcast so much. It says, no time for fake friends. It's got to be oh, real, baby. It's got to be real. It has to be real. I tell you what, I that's that's it, man. I love because I, you know, Billy Bob. I could tell you, you, you wear your heart on your sleeve, oh, right? Yeah. It's you out know, there. you, you. You give everybody your best time. And you know what? If someone asks you, you usually give way more than than you know than you want to. But guess, that's our heart. We wanna we yeah. wanna pour out what yeah. we have. We wanna yeah. give out what we have. And yeah. and um, you know what? We don't have time for people that are the opposite of that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we love them. We just don't have time for them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. One last thing. One last thing. This just cracks me up. Because uh, I can relate so much. It, it says this at the end. It says, he isn't angry often, but when he is, run. <laughs> 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 Doesn't happen often, but when he is, you better get out of the way. You better That's get out it. of the way. Oh, that is, Billy Bob. I have a, there, you know what? I think that all of us guys, Billy Bob, we know this, that, you know, if you're passionate, you know, that's why we're brutally honest is that, you know, we're so yeah. passionate, right? Yeah. And sometimes there's a passion dial on the other side that that if someone flips the switch, if you know what I mean, Billy Bob. I know what it, you mean, it, man. That's right. When that, when that switch gets slipped, granted, it doesn't happen very, very often, but. Let me tell you, though, if you hit that switch, watch out. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, you and I are bosom buddies. We're kindred spirits. It's been such an honor to talk to you. And thank you so much for coming on this episode. And, man, God bless you. God bless you, my new friend. Hey, thank, thank you, Billy Bob. Appreciate you. Thanks, Billy Bob. Hey, Steve, I think it's funny that you said that that's his camouflage because my whole life, every time I've seen Billy Bob, he's been wearing camouflage. Well, <laughs> guess true. what? He fits in Mora because you know what? <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting, I actually get ready. It's turkey, uh, turkey season just opened up. Oh, so yeah. I, I sat outside yesterday and, and didn't get one. And tomorrow morning, I, going to be getting up early hoping I could harvest a turkey. And guess what? Billy Bob would fit well in more oh, because yeah. he everybody a, wears camouflage. He loves a turkey man. hunting, for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, well, Steve, this has just been great. I know our listeners have loved it. Uh, can't wait for this episode to air very, very soon here. And just super encouraging. And uh, just thank you so much. And uh, just keep fighting the good fight, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be with you guys today. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. For resources and to find out more about Worship is Life, head to worshipislife.org. My name is Stephen Eckholm, and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast.